Good afternoon, friends. It is a, another wonderful day to be alive here in the best little city in America. Uber producer Dan Peters is back. You heard his voice on the news and the weather, and he's in the studio after a few days off. We'll be here for the next couple hours with the best in conversation and analysis on, oh, education, politics, literature, childhood development, news of the day. Maybe a laugh or two if we're lucky, if we can pull off this thing as planned. We'll see. Thank you for spending some time with us this afternoon, whether you're huddled up to a radio somewhere at your desk, on the work site, or through the new KSOO mobile app. Remember, also, you can watch the first hour of the program here live on KSOO's Facebook page or follow along on Twitter at P. Lally Show, where Uber producer Dan Peters is busily tapping out the messages, the tweets, as we like to say. First first of all, let's get this out of the way. Welcome back, Dan. Well, thanks, Patrick. I appreciate being back and welcomed into your presence once again. Do you feel rested and ready? Well, I don't know about rested. Okay. I actually had to spend time on the saddle yesterday. On the saddle? Yeah, I was. I, I rode my bicycle yesterday. What? Yes. How did that happen? Just a little getting out and about situation? Here's the deal. The one vehicle had an oil change that needed to be done. So yeah. I thought, well, I don't have anybody to pick me up. So I thought, well, I've got a tailwind. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'll, I'll take the, I'll put the bike in the back of the van and I'll take it home. Oh, but then by the time that everything was done, I was like, they don't have a ride back. Oh, headwind. So I had to go all the way back. So it was probably about a two mile round trip. Oh, that's not too bad. No, Dylan, that was, it was, but I can still, I can definitely feel yeah. where, where things were, were placed yesterday on the saddle. <laughs> That's outstanding. It's good to hear. Uh, it, you know, the other thing, t- today, you know what today is, of course. Today is December 12th. It is election day. Oh, well, in Alabama. Yeah, not here. Alabama, which, of course, the entire nation is watching and, and you're hearing all about on the news. At last, at least uh, those of us who pay attention to news and politics, it's election day. Um, there's been so much build up to this election for the U.S. Senate seat down in there in Alabama between Roy Moore and Doug Jones that I'm I'm like having flashbacks at this point. It's it's electoral PS, PTSD for me. You know, all of a sudden I'm back in 2002, 2004 and the great South Dakota Senate wars when the Senate hung in the balance for all that time. Uh, in those cases, though, there was like months and months and months of speculation, and then the announcements, and then the campaigning, and then the charges, and the countercharges, and the yelling on the phone, and the accusations, and on and on and on and on and on and on. But then you get to election day, you know, and the sun rises just like normal. But it's not normal because there's all this anticipation. And I felt a little bit of that today. Like, wow, this is actually, this is a big election going on down in Alabama. <laughs> See, there's Alabama's chance once again to do what they can do. Yeah, that's right. We'll see how it goes. But for me, you know, it's uh, it doesn't happen with every election, uh, the anticipation part of it. But you can feel it today because uh, most times, many times, there's not really any doubt by the time the ballots are cast because of all the polling and everything. But in 2002, it was so close uh, when John Thune challenged Tim Johnson. They end up 532 votes we didn't know till the next year. Two two years later, when we were right back at it with Thune challenging Daschle, it was very close. Whole shift of the power in the Senate. Uh, it's not this close. It was not as close the uh, this time around about 
with Daschle, you know, 4,500 votes, but it, it was still, you know, it was a big deal. And, uh, there was a very much a lot in play. The thing is when you're in the news business, as you know, Dan, there's nothing really to do all day. You just wait, you get ready and you wait, you walk around, you surf the internet, you walk around, you talk to reporters, you walk around, you talk about how many people are showing up at the polls. Everybody gives their number. You check the plan, you walk around, <laughs> have a meeting, talk about the plan. You walk around, you eat pizza, you walk around. It's just that for hours and hours. But of course, back then we didn't have the electronic counting machines, so you didn't have to wait for the electronic counting machines yeah. to get recalibrated and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it actually went quicker, I think, at times when it was you know just by hand. But then it all breaks loose, just like it starts popping, 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 and then you're just kind of overwhelmed, you know. Um, and you get the congressional races, the legislative races, constitutional offices, county commissions, ballot initiatives that come tumbling in over the course of a couple hours. It's just maddening and exhilarating and exhausting. And the one day that you really care about Perkins County. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> refresh, refresh. Come on, Perkins County! Uh, today is just one race. It's not even in our state, you know, but the stakes are, are much the same, and the result could have a major effect on where we go as a country. So it's, it's fun to watch. There's a lot on the line. Um, what, regardless of who you back or what you believe, it's magical and at times revolting thing to kind of have to go through. Uh, so I know what I'm doing tonight. I'm sure there will be some memories and stories about the campaign's past, but I'll, I, at least this time I'm just going to be sitting down. I'm mostly a, just an observer instead of a participant, thank God, because that's that you just wear yourself out. Maybe you should just watch Scrooged again. <laughs> Maybe I should. We've got a great show for you today. Our, de our guests include Doug Morrison of the Hope Coalition. That's a group that is funding preschool for low-income kids in Sioux Falls. That's a great story. Uh, Jacqueline Palfi will be here for this month's KSOO Zambro's Community Book Club. We're going to talk about the book, The Guinevere's. Uh, you'll want to stay close to your radio, though, after the news and weather at the bottom of the hour. It's a very special holiday edition of Weird Friends with the Boon Man, and we've got a little surprise for you and the Boon Man there. And I'll have the P&L statement just after the break. Today's topic, livestock. It's true. No, you wanna, you're going to want to stay tuned for livestock. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 316 on the Patrick Lally Show. Yeah! Information 1000 KSOO. Let's all get a little closer to free here on the PL statement today. First off, as we've been doing for a lot of weeks now, we're going to lead with the stupid man update because I just can't. I mean, you know, you've heard a lot of uh, talk about uh, what the president said about Gillibrand in his tweet. And I, I mean, I just don't understand why a guy who is under some scrutiny for his past behavior, whether you think he should be. Uh, impeached for that or, uh, you know, something less or whatever. It doesn't matter or whatever. Why would you do this? Why would you? This is just silly. So Gillibrand said, calls for him to resign because of the women who have come out and said his, of his boorish behavior, right? And Trump says, he, he tweets, uh, lightweight Senator Kristen, Kristen Gillibrand, Gillibrand, a total flunky of Chuck Schumer and someone who would come to my office 
begging for campaign contributions not so long ago and would do anything for them, is now in the ring fighting against Trump. Very disloyal to Bill and Crooked used. What what are you doing? And now people are arguing over how you interpret the tweet, whether it's sexist or what. It's ridiculous. It's just a dumb thing to do. Dumb. Anyway, that's the stupid man update for today because I got more important things to worry about, people. Livestock. Livestock production in the state of South Dakota, it's a big deal, okay? It's a huge part of our economy. It's what we do. Beef, uh, beef production in this state is a, a ginormous part of our agricultural agriculture segment. Pigs, big dang deal. So the ability to further feed the great demand across the world for high-quality beef and pork lies on places like South Dakota. And we are growing. We're doing well. We're getting, you know, probably nicked on these trade deals going down, but we need the trade deals. Okay. But I got, I saw something today that kind of burned my keister on this one. Okay. Burn my keister. That's right. I said, burn my keister. So Mark Mickelson is the speaker of the house in South Dakota. He is a Sioux Falls representative. Obviously, his dad was governor. His grandfather was governor. He thought about running for governor. All these things. And he'd been in politics a long time. So he, he did this radio interview, um, I think yesterday, today, is recent anyway. I just heard the audio today. And in it, he says that uh, he's willing to cut back on economic aid, essentially, grants to counties that aren't doing more to encourage uh, feeding operations. Basically, the gist here is we have all this grain, corn. Uh, we make more money off it if you pass it through a cow and then sell the cow. That's the basics of it, right? And then you encourage more livestock production. Well, in recent years, couple last couple of decades, that's meant larger and larger operations, which has led to a great debate across the country in agricultural sectors about the size and concentration of animals, the famed Concentrated Animal Feeding Operation, or CAFO. And we've had plenty of debate around here about that. And Yankton County is a lot, whether it's dairies or just straight-up feeding, feeder cattle, what have you, hogs, all of it. Over there in Iowa, got hogs as one of the most dense hog-producing areas in the country. So the speaker goes on the radio, and he's talking about these, these grants and stuff. And I just want to play you a quick cut here. We've got 72 different grant programs in state government, a lot of them through DOT, a lot of them through the Department of Economic Development. When We're going to start considering as a criteria when we award communities and counties grants, mostly transportation grants, whether or not you've got a forward-looking economic development plan. You know, and that's fine. That seems reasonable, right? Except you're kind of holding the counties and cities Hostage, what's forward-looking? I don't know. Okay, but that's, you know, they get to decide the criteria at some measure. Um, but he, then he hooks it to agriculture. Okay, forward-looking economic development plan, what's that mean? All right, then we're going to listen to this cut. Just a second. If you come out to pier and you got your pockets turned inside out, but your population's in decline, and you continue to ship more and more grain out of your county, then 
there's not a lot we can do for you if you're not going to let your neighbor get into the business of feeding hogs, feeding dairy cattle, feeding beef cattle. All right, so that's where it kind of takes a turn. And the thing is, in the broad strokes, what he's trying to get at here is you have to have livestock production in the rural areas. And it's true, you do. It's imperative to the South Dakota economy. But the approach is wrong here. The problem is that we've got county commissions all over the state of South Dakota making these micro decisions on siting and size of livestock operations. And it happens over and over again. And it becomes a local controversy all the time. Why? Because people in, these, in the rural areas want to do the right thing. They want livestock production, right? They know agriculture is good for South Dakota. That's not in doubt. Okay, they want to support agriculture, but they're frightened about what a big operation can potentially, how it can potentially affect their way of life. Modern feeding operations are immensely complicated. They come with a great reward and great risk. Put in the middle of this situation, local officials are understandably cautious. The speaker doesn't see it that way, as you can hear. His comments echo the general paternalism of state government in South Dakota. However, what it does is it abdicates any responsibility for regulating the operations to the locals. You can't have it both ways. Many other states have figured this out. Ironically, one of those states is Iowa, which the speaker references in his conversation. The basis in, in Oneida is 90 cents, a buck below, buck 10. Well, the basis over in Larchwood or Sioux Center or Haywarden or Sioux City is 10 cents under. That's 80 cents a bushel. Well, a beef cow eats about 70 bushels of corn. You can, you know, there's a big advantage to being able to feed animals where there's wide open space and, and available, less expensive grain. So, here, there's the rub, okay? It's about how much you're getting for grains and how much you're selling the animals for. We, now, here's why all of you should care to some degree. The agriculture economy has a direct re re impact on our economy here in the city because we all depend on sales tax. And when the agriculture economy has dipped, we have dipped. Sales tax have dipped. You can blame online sales a little bit, but mostly it's the broader ag economy. And there's a lot of things you can talk about in terms of diversifying the economy and all that. But having a good ag economy helps us all. Now, here's why what the speaker's saying I think is flawed because Here's the thing about Iowa. They have central statewide regulations that govern all the operations in their state on the same playing field. Locals have some input, but they play by the same rules. That's not how it works in South Dakota. Iowa has strict regulation of animal feeding operations. South Dakota does not. If the speaker wants to develop a stronger livestock sector in the state where the corn grown locally, and it's, all, it's corn, this is what we're talking about here, is enhanced by running it through the cows and pigs, then he has to be willing to stand up and say, we as a state must do all we can to ease the fears of local people by saying we will be here to make sure this operation is safe, that it doesn't leak highly concentrated manure into lakes and rivers, that they don't pollute the air with harmful gases. That's what people are worried about. And as a, as a state, if we run away from that and say, oh, that's local problems and we don't really enforce environmental regulations, then how do you expect these people to stand up there and make this decision and take the hit? You can't. You can't have it both ways. This sort of blackmail forwarded by Speaker Mickelson is not the path to a thriving livestock industry. Getting there requires open and honest discussions, an immense amount of research, and accepting responsibility to regulate it properly. That's just not something our state has demonstrated that it can do.
don't want to take on the big issue, regulating livestock operations on a statewide level and then enforcing the regulation. Because, yes, we need more cattle. We need more hogs. But the reason that Iowa produces more hogs and sells their corn at a higher rate isn't because they've made their local county commissions back down on decisions and just take all comers. That's not how it worked. I know I was there, and it was painful. I don't know that the speaker wants to go through that, but we'll see. That's the bottom line on today's PL. You can agree or disagree with me. That's fine. Let me know what you think. Patrick at KSO.com. Follow us on Twitter at P. Lally Show. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. Oh, it's a very special half an hour holiday edition of the Boon Man on Weird Friends. You're going to want to come back for that. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 333 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000. And we are eagerly awaiting the arrival of the Boon Man, who is uh, currently flying across the city, the caped superhero, Sioux Falls' original superhero. There's a couple of police officers out there. I hope that didn't have anything to do with it. No, it didn't. It didn't. He was on very important city crime-busting business. But he'll be here. He's on his way. We hope. We hope he doesn't go too fast and get himself get himself in trouble. Well, we would not want that, nor have him be texting and driving. We nope. wouldn't want him to do that either. No, no, no. He wasn't that far away, so well, depending on how the traffic is, he, he should be here very soon. But we do have a, it is a very special uh, holiday edition of the Boon Man for Weird Friends. Um uh, provided, of course, he makes it here. One way or the other, we're going to do it without him if we have to. Uh, but uh, I've got a surprise. I've got a surprise for you all. I've got a surprise for him that I think you're going to like. Uh, we've been talking about him. You know, he almost got run over. Do you, I don't know if you remember that conversation. But he was, uh, he was out walking around. He does. He had, goes out. The Boon Man goes for a nice, healthy walk over lunch. And uh, he nearly was... He nearly was uh, Clipped, let's just say. Well, I don't know if it was that bad. He said, I think he's kind of made more of it than by the car with the, the reindeer antlers on it and the, the, the nose. Well, I don't know. The Boon Man has been prone to hyperbole occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> on occasion. On occasion. So I suppose you're all waiting for those results from Alabama. Well, we don't have any yet. The polls aren't closed. The polls aren't closed. It's 7 to 7. And is Alabama, they're Eastern time, aren't they? No, actually, they are on the fringe because I think there's a small part of the panhandle of Florida oh. that does have central time, and Alabama, Mississippi, and, That's and weird uh, Louisiana are all central time. T- t- Tennessee is also central time, too. Yeah, I found that out when I was in Nashville. Very strange because... Uh, you know the map. Sometimes the map, as you look at it, doesn't accurately reser- represent space and distance. You know, and so they're on. So it'll be seven o'clock before we know everything. Yeah, they are flirting with the the denigration of the time space continuum there <laughs> along the, that central time zone. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. You know, hey folks, I can tell you this. 
Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is Christmas at the Cathedral. You've been hearing me talk about this for a while. The Cathedral of St. Joseph, also known as St. Joseph's Cathedral. There's a big controversy raging over Cathedral of, Cathedral of St. Joseph or St. Joseph's Cathedral, apparently. All four nights at 7.30 p.m. plus a 1 p.m. performance on Saturday and 2 p.m. on Sunday, proceeds will benefit the Bishop Dudley House and the Cathedral of St. Joseph ongoing care and maintenance endowments. It's a big, uh, it's a big event. Um, actually, I think the Boon Man will be there. The Boon Man sings in the uh, uh, Cathedral Choir, so I think they might, may be part of that deal. It's beautiful, beautiful uh, ceremony and event. So it's a good time. I think I, I'm seeing a bat signal now or a boon signal. There is, there is boon sign that this might actually be happening. No big deal. It's not live radio or anything. Da, 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 da. You know, you can watch on Facebook as well. I know you, it, uh, many, many people uh, like to do that for the first hour. And um, I'm actually got to adjust my phone right now so that it'll work. Oh, there it is people on facebook hi people on facebook any huge we are we the, the very special holiday edition of the boon man is pending as we do have arrival of said boon man in the studio which is i think this is the first time you've actually been in studio isn't that correct boon man yes <laughs> well we're never doing it again i tell you that much <laughs> You know, I got things going on, man. I know you do. And I appreciate you being here. You're a very busy man. Very yeah. busy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, hey, thanks for coming. Sure. It's good. great to be here. What a great place you have here. Thank you. I've decorated. No, I just got I over here. Over here. Hey. USD nice. Tubacore over here. Yeah. I don't see the instrument in here. I though. know. It should be in here. When are we getting the band back together? You're always St. Patrick's Day. We have a gig? Our standing game. I didn't say what year. St. <laughs> Patrick's Day. That's just the plan. Yeah. Hey, hey, what do you make of this, uh, by the way, before we get to the very special holiday edition of the Boon Man, what do you make of this whole Alabama thing? Are you watching that? I am. It, it, it's uh, I think it's odd. I think here's, here's my thought on it is how would we feel if a bunch of uh, city slickers came to South Dakota <laughs> and know. got horning no. in on our election. I it know. is our senator. Yep. It's Alabama senator. It's up to them what they want to be doing. Uh, you know, it's, uh, not it's not up to the rest of the country. It's up to Alabama. Yeah. You don't like it? Move to Alabama. <laughs> You're not passing any judgment. You're not uh, uh, giving any uh, questioning the veracity of claim. None of that. You're just no. saying it's their problem. Yeah, it's Alabama's deal. Yeah. Did you hear Charles Barkley? No. <laughs> Did you say it was terrible? <laughs> terrible. <laughs> terrible. People think uh, we look stupid. Yeah. I can't well, do a good Charles Barkley. I can't either. But he's Yeah, I don't uh, do the voice. <laughs> no, you can't because you get yourself in trouble. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, I just, I don't care. It's Alabama's senators. Yeah. That's, that's their sense, their deal. You know, it would maybe help them if they, in terms of their reputation. But they have, they are historically kind of. Not, I don't want to call it xenophobic. That's not the. They are resistant to outside forces. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, earlier Uber producer Dan Peters played the uh, uh, Skinner. Mm. Isn't it Skinner? Skinner, isn't it? Yeah, it is Skinner. Skinner. Southern man, don't Southern need man, you around, yeah. Anyhow. Neil Young, yeah. Don't need you, yeah. Yeah. Don't need you horning in. That, so purpose. they have a history of that. Yeah. What else are you watching? What's what are you paying attention to? Now that we have you here in the studio, we can just catch up. 
I got a lot of things going on in my mind. Uh, and you're kind of along the same lines. Term limits on Senate. And you and I have had this discussion many times before. Yeah. And are you still in the camp that we already have term limits? Yes. They're called elections. Yeah. No, they don't. The, the, the tremendous advantage that the incumbent has just nullifies any, any here's, of that. Here's, my, here's the greatest evidence. It shouldn't be. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Here's, here's the greatest evidence against term limits. And then I'll, I'll let you have your say. The South Dakota legislature. Not so much. They have term limits there. Oh, yeah, they're made up. It's, keep, it's a revolving <laughs> door. They're not real term limits. Well, you that's know. because yeah. everybody serves two years. doesn't matter if you're in the House or the Senate. Yeah, and then they go over to the other one, then they go to the other one, then they flip-flop between the two. But it shouldn't be a career. It should be a sacrifice. They talk about yeah. this tremendous sacrifice that these people have made. and they're, It's not a sacrifice. It, it isn't a sacrifice. Tell me somebody that served... Three terms as senator that's not a millionaire. Name that's, one. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, <laughs> I can name one, but he's a knucklehead. <laughs> Bernie Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> and even that's up for debate. Yeah, that's uh, right. You that's know, right. It, it should be a, it should be a sacrifice. Yeah, that's it should true. be. You know what? I'm going to go serve it's, that it's time. Not, yeah, but it's not like a citizen legislature anymore, right? Is it? Should be. They do. I know. If you ever watch C-SPAN, yeah. I mean, just the idiotic <laughs> things that they're talking about. They're in a meeting about. They're talking about just crazy stuff that the government of the United States shouldn't be talking about. Like what? What do you want them oh, on? I of? mean, they're talking. They're in there talking about. You know, should the, you know, they just got their fingers in everything? You it's know, just, I had a long Facebook debate today with disgruntled former city commissioner Matt Staub on this very, very issue. You guys see eye to eye on these things, don't well, you? Well, we're both right. <laughs> deal ah i see now i see now that's why i have you guys on right uh, yeah so i mean it's just to get their fingers their metal in it just everything and and i it, i can't i probably can't turn c-span I, and i watch it for all the crap that i watch on tv <laughs> it's I mean, a lot I do watch some c-span and i get that and I, I i can't believe the hearings that they have on subjects and i, I almost every time i turn c-span on i yeah. think uh, why are they having a hearing on this? Why is the Senate yeah. messing with this? Well, you mean like foreign relations? No, or? no, no. I mean, just no domestic stuff about, uh, you know, should we, uh, you know, product. Uh, I'm, I'll get a list of stuff okay. that be, that'll be my next topic. Communication. C-SPAN stuff that really gets me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why I'm upset at C-SPAN. <laughs> Point one. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, speaking of deer. Um, or not. You had, you had gone deer hunting though. I did. Yes. You were successful, right? Yes. Um, at, uh, one shot, baby. One shot. Oh yeah. Boom. That's it. You go whole hunting trip one time. Yeah. One shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. So once you're done, you're done, you know, buck, doe, what are we buck. talking about? Yep. Nice one. Decent. Yeah. You know, the, the, uh, the county in which I hunt. Uh, suffered a lot from the blue tongue, the hemorrhaging deal. Yes, not good. And that affects the bucks more than the does. Oh, I and see. And so the population last year was way down. This year has come back, but deer are very uh, prolific. Yes, they are. <laughs> so they do well. They get around. Uh, they so, get around the city pretty well as well. Yeah, and I think that? that they should open that for hunters. I mean, not I just the they, cops. Yeah, not just the cops. There's plenty of bow hunters yeah. that could do that. It's right on the bike trail. 
you know, parts of it. They're not going to shoot a bicycle. I mean, they're not going to, eh. you know. <laughs> <laughs> the cops aren't. No. The cops won't. I'm Well, and now the cops are using rifles, though. Yeah, I know. They're very, they know they kind of mark it off. Like they yeah. don't want you to know when they're doing it. Yeah. They try and keep it on the hush hush. Mm-hmm. They must use silencers or something. Well, yeah, they're, supp- they're suppressed. Yeah. Suppressed yeah. fire. Yeah. So, so Bambi there's doesn't plenty see of bow coming. hunters that would go out and do that. Yeah, there are. There are. Tons of bow hunters that would do that. You, you don't hunt bow. No, that's too difficult. No, that's no, that takes too much skill. I can't, my arm wouldn't be able to. Oh yeah, it's it's yeah it's yeah I've, I've shot a bow, but yeah. I can't. No, that's too difficult. And seems more fair. See, that's what I worry about. Is some guy bow hunting? You yep. know, caught up in the hunt, like because mm-hmm. you got to be. He, he yep. sees nothing but the buck. Mm-hmm. He don't see uh, me on my my surly Fargo. But you have to be in relatively close proximity to the deer to hit it with a bow. That's true. It's not like a rifle where you can fire off a couple hundred yards. Yeah. Now it's uh there. Their efforts to thin the herd sometimes, I think, are um, met with uh, nature's uh, response, which is, we're just going to have two. You know what I mean? Yeah. You suppress the population, they just start having more babies. Mm-hmm. I don't think that'll happen. Okay. No. That's coming up, though. That's interesting. Um, we're going to come right back with the uh, uh, very special I've got a long list of stuff I want to talk about. We may not get it to it today. Okay. We'll see how that goes, because we got some stuff we got to hit first. Uh, you're going to like this. Okay. Okay. We'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 348 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Little cheap trick for my friend, the Boom Man. I don't know why the cheap trick become your theme song. Seems appropriate. And uh, I've been talking about the very special holiday edition of the Boon Man uh, for a couple of days now. Well, this week. And uh, that's because we have been having this discussion that you'll recall about your near miss with my the, near death experience, your near death experience yes. with the uh, with the uh, car with the what was it? It was it was a uh, it had the antlers on it, antlers and the red okay. nose. Yeah. Well, I just want that to introduce you. I want to introduce you to the person that I believe. Let me see if I can make this work here. Push this button real hard. Turn this up. And you say hi to the person who almost ran over the Boon Man. Hello to the person who almost ran me over. Hello. So, <laughs> person who almost ran over the Boon Man, what do you have to say for yourself? Well, you know, it's really hard to keep my, you know, nice and naughty list on my phone while also driving and doing my day job and, yes. you know, and talking to a radio host on the phone and half texting, the time. Texting, it's a lot going on. So probably. I'm sorry that I didn't see you. Was it, how close was it? Because she did not, she never did see you. No, no, no. She and it actually, it, had it not been for my just incredible awareness of my surroundings. Yes. Uh, as I was to cross the street. Yeah. I noticed this uh, young lady in a vehicle with the, with the horns in the nose. Yep. On the phone. On the vehicle, not on the lady. No, not on the lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The lady was quite yes, lovely, yes. I think. Yeah, as I, as I recall. And uh, she was turning right. And I was going to cross in front of the car. The and classic. She was on the phone, and I thought, there's no way that she sees me here. She's looking to her left. Yep. Yep. And as soon as the traffic cleared to the left, she immediately took her right. And had I been there, which I would have been. Splato. Well, I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm a pretty big target. <laughs> so I, I'm not sure who would have fared worse in that deal. So that, 
you know, we got to thinking and I identified the driver through my vast resources, <laughs> connections, and um, we did come up with this. Now, I just, you want to make, just hang in here. One more time, just the ladies this time. So there it is, the world premiere of Boon Man Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Uh, did you recognize the uh, the musicianship there? The, the mu- I think I did. Okay, yeah. uh, I have to give credit where credit is due. Yeah. Uh, uh, words words by uh, Jacqueline Palfi. Okay. He said, operator of, well, I don't know if we're going to say that. Yep. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to. Alleged. Alleged operator and uh, uh, music by and production by Mr. David Allen Butler. So, and vocals. And vocals, and yes. And the music, the whole deal. All of it. That was yeah. outstanding. But lyrics by Jacqueline. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's my holiday gift to you. So that don't expect anything else. Is that on a CD? Uh, it will be available uh, for download. Okay. MP3. <laughs> MP3. Okay. I right. will be making that available on my podcast <laughs> as a sure. as a holiday People download. People will rush out in a buying frenzy to get that. We should sell it, you know. I plan to pipe it from my car. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. put a Loud speaker sp- on the top. Got a so Blues Brothers style speaker on the roof, <laughs> and yeah. it's ladies' night tonight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what we're gonna do with that. Yes. Well, and, let that be a lesson to you, and maybe I'm just suggesting uh, Bluetooth hands-free 
little thing in the ear. One, you look cool. <laughs> and then you don't have your hand in front of your face blocking your vision. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of solutions, none of which yeah. I've tried. Okay. <laughs> Although, how cool are you going to look in a uh, Subaru Forester with horns and a red nose? Yeah, nobody <laughs> needs that. No, that was the original premise. Yeah. Those things have to stop, <laughs> yes, right? The, the, no. Well, uh, I just want to thank uh, the Boon Man for coming in for a very sure. special holiday edition for the Boon Man. Uh, Jacqueline, thanks for uh, participating and taking the blame. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, and to uh, big David Allen Butler, who I'm sure is listening down in Florida on the KSO.com. Thank you, David. And who knows what we'll come up with next. Coming up on the Patrick Lally Show after the big news, we've got weather, and then we're going to talk about uh, books with the same Jacqueline Palfi, as it turns out, uh, Zambro's Book Club, and uh, we're going to talk about funding for preschool. That's all coming up on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 357 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And the Boon Man's still in the studio because he's he has a list of grievances that we are not able to get to. So in the time remaining, next thirty. What's your thirty-second version of your list of groups? Well, just maybe, maybe uh, is this thing on? Yes. Uh, maybe a preview for next next time. Um, you know, we'll, of course, we'll revisit the Senate election in yep. Alabama, even though it's none of our business. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk more a little about term limits. I'll get you swung around on okay. that, and then right. uh, I'll have the list of things that are on C-SPAN that are just crazy that our government's doing. That would we'll be Talk great. about that crazy Bitcoin. What is that? I don't. It's, black magic. I, it's, black magic. I don't know. Steve Miller band coming to the. Are you going Denny. to that? Uh, yeah. I don't Are you? Because I, I might have to go. Do you want to? I might be forced to go. Yeah, I don't know. If um, we were there together, it might Peter be Peter Frampton's going to be there. And, yeah. And if he brings wah, that thing, wah. makes it kind of wow, 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 then I'll go. All right. Hey, coming up in the after the top of the hour, we're going to talk about uh, books and we're going to talk about uh, preschool. So stick with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Welcome back to the Patrick Lally Show, and I am very pleased to have back on the show for the Zanbros Community Book Club, sponsored by KSOO or glommed onto by KSOO. At any rate, Jacqueline Palfi is here, and uh, I like to have Jacqueline in about once a month to talk about books because Zambro's Community Book Club has been going a long time, and so we're just going to jump on there. Uh, Jacqueline, thanks for coming in today. Thanks for having me. So you were on last time uh, about a month ago. Yep. I don't remember the book. What was it? Oh, God. Um the Girls. It was The Girls by Emma Klein, which then one of your guests sent me a note saying that uh, the author had been accused of plagiarism. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. I wish that I had read that article more clearly before I brought it up on the show. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. So that was our first book and a wildly successful episode of The Patrick Lally Show. Um, this month is uh, The Guinevere's, correct? Yes, The Guinevere's. So uh, the Zambros Community Book Club has been meeting now for 10 or 11 years. I think it's 11 years in January. I think I finally years. settled on that's the number. Okay, 11 years in January. Uh, this month is The Guinevere's. Um, so the, the first of all, the club meets when? We meet the, well, normally we meet the third Thursday of every month at 6.30 at Zambros. Because of Christmas, we're meeting the second Thursday. Which is, what's the number there? Is the that 14th. next week? Yep. Is that this week? It's this week. It's this week. It's in it's the 14th. How many days? Three days. Three days. 
from tomorrow. So, wait a minute. <laughs> We're not doing so hot on the calendar reading today. Wait a minute. It's two days. It's Thursday the 14th. Correct. And uh, so, the Guinevere's. First of all, uh, who wrote the Guinevere's? Um, a woman named Sarah Dome, I think is how you say her name. I'm going to guess that. It's D-O-M-E-T. I was a print journalist, not broadcast, so I can spell it. I can't say it. Got it. And so this book, tell us about the book. Um, the book is about, um, it's about a convent. Uh, well, it's like an orphanage, convent-orphanage combo thing. And it's about, uh, it tells the story of four girls who are in there at the same time, and they're all named Guinevere. Um, and they, there's First a, of all, that's a crazy coincidence. Yes, there's okay. a lot of disbelief that needs to be suspended. This is this, this is fiction. Correct. It's, oh, yes, got it's, it. We re, got usually it. read one nonfiction book a year, but yes, this is obviously fiction. Um, but they there's an infirmary there for uh, wounded soldiers, and the the girls all fall in love with these um, wounded soldiers. Who in can't what war? Speak at all. What war? Don't ask me these complex oh. history questions. So it's like World War One. That's my bet. I'm going to go yes. It's a period piece. Um, so did you like the book? Um, I didn't actually like the book until about seven-eighths of the way through it. And then there was a line that made me fall in love with it. There were some things that, you know, I mean, it was fine. It was a good story. You can read a lot of books that you don't love. You can just kind of muddle through them. I thought it was okay. Um, I don't do that. I quit. Well, you know can't always be a quitter when it's your book club. You gotta, That's true. You, know, you got to power through. Um, you know, and I picked it up because it has a, a good name and because it has a good cover. And, um, you know, a lot of times I'll pick up a book because there's a blurb on it written by an author I like who wrote something else. So that's so those author blurbs work, you know. that's Well, clearly or they wouldn't do them. Yeah. Well, you know. I mean, you know, they farm those things like 90, so they, they must really actually mean something or they wouldn't do it yeah i guess i've been tricked by it all this time and didn't realize it but they you're a willing pawn in the publishing scheme very let's, no, much so, let's yeah. not yep i'm sucked in by the that. title and the cover art and then yep. you know i go along for the ride when it's a good story um there's a couple things i hated in it they call the the girls call these soldiers our boys all the way throughout and this is what i can't stand but that's standard in yeah the but time. it's capitalized yeah yeah, I don't like it. I can see that World War One. Our boys, yeah. our boys are over there yeah. fighting the, yeah. the Germans in France. I was going to say, I was going to use a some sort of slur there, and I stopped myself. I'm, I'm glad, and you also didn't start seeing over there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, also, not capitalized. You know, like they don't need to be. It drove me nuts after yeah. a while. I just got a little sick of it. I think you could have dropped it halfway through, and the reader wouldn't have noticed. Um, but it was not right. It was an okay book. So people can. If they that's were, that's not really selling it, is it? That doesn't say well, come to my, gu- my no, book. No, but there was something in it. Okay, book. but there was a reward at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yep. So that's that's worth it then. Yeah, and sometimes it takes that long to get there. So uh, Thursday night, Zambro's Variety downtown on Phillips uh, between tenth and eleventh. Uh, what time you meet? We meet at six thirty. Six thirty. What do you think? Uh, so you're going to get together and you talk about this book. What do you think your group, because there's some regulars. Yeah, there. Um, there's All a, are welcome, but there are yep, regulars. It's free and open to the public. Um, and there are people who come and go, and, and there are a couple women who've been there since the very beginning. One woman has come to almost every single book group 
That's you outstanding. Know? Yeah, it's fantastic. And, and there was a woman last month who came and I said, God, I haven't seen you in a really long time. You know, and I'm thinking it's been, you know, a year maybe. And she said five years. It had been five years since she had been there. That's crazy. Yeah, some things happened in her life. She took some time off and then she came back. And what I loved is that we're still there. Yep. And she knew I'll show up the third Thursday and, and this group of women is still going to be there and, and we're happy to see her. What do you think they're going to think of the Guinevere's? Um, they tend to sort of like period pieces. They're going to be grateful I didn't make them read a World War II book because I make them read a lot of World War II No, you books. made them read a World War I book. Yeah, right. So you're welcome, book club, for that departure from the norm. Completely different deal. Exactly. Um, and it's not, you know, I tend to go dark with my book club choices. So, um, this one's, I mean, I guess they're caring for half dead soldiers and, and then some, you know, there's some horrible things that happen. So maybe it's darker than I thought. Maybe it was a better book than I thought. Um, it's leaving a lasting impression with you clearly. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I kind of want them to hate it because the discussion is outstanding when they don't like the book because ah. then they fight about what they didn't like about it. Yeah. You know? Nice. So well, of- and you know, that's just it though. You can't like everything. No. And, uh, you know, I'll be interested to see if they didn't like some things. I, I didn't think the writing was that great all the way through. You know, it was a nice story. So you mm-hmm. can bypass some what you think is just okay writing. And, and sometimes that's not why you're reading something. Some things you read and it's the sentence structure, or the, the language that just, right. it's, it's its own piece of it. And this one's not like that. Like, uh, and the opposite of that is beautiful writing that has no real point. Which right. I always then, thought that Ivan Doig, the Ivan Doig books I've read, it's like you get to the end and you're like, nothing, I read this wonderful 250 pages and nothing happened. Well, but that's kind of how life is. Yeah, all right. I'll you give know. you that one. We're here with Jacqueline Palfi. We're talking about the uh, Zambros Community Book Club, which KSO, frankly, this show, Patrick Lally show, is glommed onto. <laughs> so it's our book club. Uh, we've just been talking about the Guinevere's. Um, uh, what's the next book? Um, in January, we are reading Alias Grace, which is a Margaret Atwood book. You love Margaret, At- Margaret Atwood. I you do. Told me that. Yes, Margaret Atwood has one of my favorite lines of any book ever. I've told you this, right? Where there's a woman in, sur- it's in Surfacing. I think it's one of her first books. It may be her first book. I'm not sure. But there's a woman with curly hair, and she describes her as ha- having hair that needed to be mulched. I see the thing. I I listen to that, and I think she's gonna like mow her head, no, like with a lawnmower. Like her hair is so unruly; it needs oh, okay. to be tamped down with. We have a different uh, uh, definition of mulching, I think. But Margaret Atwood, <laughs> what's the book? Is what? What's Maybe the book? I misunderstood it all this time. Yeah, it wasn't. It turns out it wasn't such a great line. <laughs> Whatever it had uh, to do with lawn Grace. care. Yeah. Alias Grace. Alias Grace. No, this is a movie or it's a, a series? Netflix series now. Okay. Yep. Um, which I haven't seen yet, so I'll need to hustle through and watch that. Um, but that's our January book. And then our February book is a book of short stories by Samantha Hunt called The Dark Dark, which I picked up because I read a line in a review that said that was a line from one of the stories that was, my body made eyeballs, and I have no idea how. Well, that's pretty good. It's outstanding. My body made eyeballs, and I don't know how that happened. Well, your body made a lot of things you had no idea. Yeah, well, you know. But eyeballs are kind of perfect. Mostly a mess of things. (laughs) But eyeballs are outstanding because they're really cool. Don't watch, uh, by the way, don't watch uh, Ozarks. Ozark? Ozark. Ozarks on uh, Netflix if you uh, care about eyeballs. Let's just say that. unless you like to see them separated from... Ah, see, you're blowing it. You're blowing it. (laughs) Don't do that. 
so again, when does the book club meet? We meet um, this week on Thursday, or this month on this coming Thursday, the second Thursday, but normally third Thursday of the month, 6.30 p.m., Zanbro's Variety. You get a discount on the books down there. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Zanbro's Community Book Club on Facebook, and we keep all our events on there, and all are welcome. That's pretty cool. And uh, so you don't need to necessarily have read the book. That, you know what? If you haven't read The Guinevere's, but you want to get involved, come on down. Yeah. Sometimes people do that just to get an idea of yep. like, what's this club like. And then and they'll have the, the new time. book yep. there. Yes. And you can, now you're in the yep. flow of things. Absolutely. And even if you're not done with the book, I've had a lot of people say, oh, I couldn't quite get the book finished and I didn't come. And it's like, that's fine. As long as you don't mind that someone's going to ruin the ending for you. Yeah. You know? Well, but then you're working towards the next book. Yes, because we read one book every month. Yeah. And you don't necessarily have to come down. If you just want to read good books, you know, you hook up the Facebook page. Yep. You, you listen to the uh, Zanbro's KSOO Community Book Club here on the Patrick Lally Show, and you've just learned about good books. Absolutely. Jacqueline Palfi, uh, she is the uh, sort of organizer of the Zambros Community the Book Club. Founder. founder of the Zambros Community Book Club. Thanks for uh, giving us a few minutes of your time, and we look forward to next month. Awesome. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 331, 431. Man, I'm an hour behind. 431 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. I love doing this so much, I want to go back in time. Uh, I am very happy to have in the studio for the last half hour of the show here today, Doug Morrison, who is co-founder of the group called Hope Coalition. And many of you may know Doug as a former school board member and uh, current school board employee. And Doug has gotten involved with the Hope Coalition, which we'll talk about in a minute. And he has brought with him Rich McCorris. He is pastor at Kingdom of Glory Church, which is also involved in this program. First of all, gentlemen, thank you very much for coming into the studio today. Thank you for having us. Uh, Doug, why don't you first, a, a lot of people uh, don't know about the Hope Coalition. You, you're, you've been working at this for a while now, but bring us, tell us the, the roots of the organization and what your goal is. Well, the roots of the, the organization were really, uh, we brought together a bunch of community leaders just to talk about uh, kids that are living in poverty and some of the challenges that they have, um, really the, uh, the gap between those that have and those that have not and some of the challenges. And so... Uh, out of about, you know, a couple of years of discussion, we finally narrowed in on uh, pre-K as being a, uh, a place where we can have an impact, knowing that uh, we have many children out there that aren't getting into a quality pre-K program. And so they start out school behind the others and in some cases uh, never catch up. Because we know that early childhood development, early childhood education is one of the greatest predictors of of success essentially in life. Exactly, and uh, as measured by the Federal Reserve and many other studies, so uh, we're uh, pretty committed to, to that pathway. Um, now, as I recall, and tell us a little bit about some of the other folks who are involved here, because we couldn't bring everybody into the studio today, but there's a lot of people that are involved in this effort. Sure, so originally we, uh, you know, we had just had a good cross-section of, of really business, uh, faith partners, um, you know, um, from city, county, United Way, uh, you know, and we just brought together some folks and said, you know, uh, and really our, our, our sort of our, our place that we started was a book called uh, Our Kids by Robert Putnam. 
and it talked about the uh, the inequality gap and really the challenges of kids. And so that was kind of our manifesto that we started with. We had people read it and said, hey, this is going on right here in our community. We need to, uh, you know, what can we do to, to change that? I remember when you started and uh, I was given a copy of the book. I mean, you were basically using this book as like a training ground to say, we're going to talk about this. We don't know what we're going to do, but here's a book. Read it. Exactly. Randall Randall and I carried many copies in our car. We we mailed them out, um, and uh, and really that was kind of the, the genesis of it. And then uh, and out of that was really a, a, a group that Pastor uh, Rich here started, which was Empower Sioux Falls. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk about that in just a second. We should say Randall was Randall Beck. Former yes. Argus Leader publisher and editor and yes. my former boss. So <laughs> when he showed up with a book, I said, hey, thank you. Um, the, the Now, Rich, so tell us how you came to be involved with this. Rich McCorris, who is the pastor at Kingdom of Glory Church. Yeah, I had an opportunity to meet with Randall and Doug and uh, kind of come alongside of them and serve kind of as the organizer, mobilizer of the church community in Sioux Falls. And so my role has been trying to engage the faith community in this issue of kids that are maybe not having the same opportunity as all the other kids. And so then working with Randall and Doug and saying to the churches that have programs, hey, how can we get people in need in your amazing programs? So why? We know that there's what we call sort of vaguely the equality gap, that there are kids who have, that, that kids of means get into preschool because there's no there's no mandate for preschool Correct. in South Dakota. Um that but a lot of kids simply can't afford it because it it's you know it's expensive yeah uh and but how does that apply to sioux falls i mean what what's the issue that we're dealing with well you know as i look at it as you really have to look at the the landscape we know that nearly half of our kids uh in our in our school system are on free and reduced uh lunch and so we know that's an indicator generally that um, even hard-working families don't have a lot of uh, disposable income and child care is expensive. Uh, and so we know that of the programs that the school district does offer and has funded, such as Head Start, which it's a beneficiary of some federal money that, that uh, we can allocate towards preschool scots, we still have a waiting list of, uh, of a couple hundred kids out there that we know aren't getting to uh, any sort of uh, quality pre-K program. And these are parents, families who are seeking out uh, pre-K for their children. They can't afford it, but they can't get into Head Start either. Right, so they've come down, they've done all the paperwork, only to, to find out that there's a waiting list. And then at that point, uh, what what are they going to do, right? Um, it's expensive. If you look at a tuition-based uh, program, um, you know, offered in a, a church, it could cost uh, upwards of $2,000. Or even the, even the programs that the school district offers that's tuition-based, uh, you're talking, uh, you know, a substantial amount of money for, for a family that uh, doesn't have much disposable income. So tell me about the convergence here between civic-minded, uh, ci- successful citizens and the faith community. How did this happen? I mean, and why? I think what we saw is we, I think it came out of a variety of reports saying the church is a sleeping giant in Sioux Falls in the sense of this poverty issue. That's growing, but yet the church community in Sioux Falls has been active on a variety of fronts, but maybe never the two collaborating together. So we saw this as a real opportunity to say, hey, we've got 
business leaders that are asking for the faith community to help. Dr. Maher, the superintendent, actually came and spoke to a group of pastors about two years ago and just kind of gave a report and said, hey, we've got challenges in our elementary schools. And that was a big wake-up call for a lot of churches saying, we got to get involved either adopting a school or, in this instance, through the Hope Coalition, we've got to open up our existing preschool programs to children that can't afford it. And so that's where the Hope Coalition steps in as we scholarship children into these church programs that are, exist already. So tell me, how did you land upon this idea that, and as I understand it, essentially you're raising money to pay for kids to go to preschool in uh, faith-based organizations, right? Yeah, I think at some point you you talk about it and talk about it and talk about it, and then you know it's the what I call the moment of holy discontent, which propels you off the couch to do something about it, and said we can do we can do this. It's going to be hard, it's going to be messy, but uh, we have uh, I think we uh, if if we just you know uh, rally the troops and uh, go out and do some speaking and some fundraising, and uh, ultimately I think what we try to tie it into, which is the big uh, buzzword in Sioux Falls is workforce development. This is really your future workforce. Uh, do you want them educated and successful and graduating high school, or do you want them not showing up at work and all the things that come up with uh, come from kids that drop out uh, during high school and, and aren't successful? And so I think uh, ultimately maybe uh, that was an, an item that, that resonated with the business community. Um, and then as, as uh, Pastor Rich said, the uh, the faith community um, came alongside and, and uh, really opened their doors to their existing programs. How many churches are we talking about? We've got three currently that are opening their preschool programs, and we're in conversations with three others for next fall. How many how many kids are you talking We've about? We've got there? 40 enrolled right now, and uh, our goal for 2018-19 school year is 100 children. That's impressive. So um, it's your church? Nope. It's uh, the three churches that we have involved are Abiding Savior, Free Lutheran, uh, Sioux Falls First, and Peace Lutheran. Both of those are on the west side, and Abiding Savior is on the east side. I'm just kind of the coordinator. You're, you're the middle? I'm yeah. the middle guy. Do you have preschool at your church? No, we don't. Yeah, you. and tell people uh, about your church. Where is yeah, it? Yeah, we're King of Glory Church. We're at the old Horner Lumberyard on 17th Street near Mr. Goodsense Sub Shop. Just yeah. basically a steel shed that uh, <laughs> doesn't look like a church at all. I'm just involved as part of kind of my desire to see the community um, engaged in this type of effort. Well, there's churches everywhere. I mean, churches in all kinds of buildings, old furniture stores, <laughs> lumber yards. It doesn't really matter, does it? Um, we're going to come right back and talk more about the goals of the group, the Hope Coalition, with, uh, <laughs> I almost forgot your name, uh, Doug Morrison, with the, who's a former school board member and co-founder of the Hope Coalition, and Rich McCorris, who is pastor at Kingdom of Glory Church. Is it King of Glory or King Kingdom? of Glory. Got it, King of Glory. This is, we'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000. K-S-O-O. -O. 4.43 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. We return to our conversation with Doug Morrison, who is a former Sioux Falls School Board member and uh, involved co-founder of the Hope Coalition, and Rich McCorris, who is pastor of King of Glory Church, and they are involved in the effort to try and fund preschool slots get scholarships for kids who can't get into preschool elsewhere, either through Head Start or through other means. Uh, gentlemen, um, you said it's 40, hoping for 100 next year. Uh, what's the ultimate goal here? What is the actual gap as you see it? 
the, the ultimate goal is what we call the Sioux Falls Promise, and that's that uh, every child will have a, a chance to go to a quality preschool program. So, you know, <clears throat> it, it's hard to say since we don't have a universal pre-K program in town here. Uh, we have school district funded um, or just programs that they run. We have private providers. So uh, we only know that every year 2,000 kindergartners start, and uh, the school district um, will provide spots through their various mechanisms, uh, funding that they receive for uh, roughly 35% of those. So 65% of those kids, we don't know where they are. We suspect many of them are in churches, but many of them we know uh, don't have any experience because we, at the end of the summer, what we do is we contact um, children on the various waiting lists and try to get them into a uh, condensed program that the United Way funds. Uh, I call it kindergarten boot camp. It's a five-week program to get them some type of, um, you know, uh, pre-K experience, uh, very limited. Um, so we're thinking that it's at least two, three hundred kids out there. That's impressive. So the um, you're working with the school district too. Uh, you mentioned Superintendent Brian Maher earlier. Um, uh, that's an interesting combination. You know, he could say, uh, you know, I've got all my own problems. You know, getting him involved must be uh, a big, big jump for you guys. Good thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we think it's a great relationship. The school district. Uh, Dr. Maher has basically said, hey, bring kids ready for us to learn, ready to learn at kindergarten. And I think they see us as a resource helping prepare children that their programs are unable to fill. And so we've got a relationship where um, if somebody signs up for Head Start but they can't get into their program, they're able to sign a, a waiver form that allows them to share their information with us. And then we contact that family and see if they'd be interested in some of the programs that we offer. And so the school district is a great partner in sharing information with us and making it known to other people that there are options available if all their spots are full. How much money have you raised? We've raised uh, just over $100,000 so, uh, for this school year. So we're fully funded to, you know, we have capacity to get uh, 50 kids. You know, we're sitting at 40 and we're hoping to get upwards of 50 still here uh, very shortly. But um, so we, we sort of, we have a relationship with the, the ch our church partner so far where uh, we essentially will provide uh, $1,000 in, in per kid in tuition and some transportation and food costs if needed. The church really uh, has opened up the capacity in our buildings and they fund the rest of it. So as I said before, a full tuition-based program can cost upwards between fifteen, two hundred thousand dollars, or two, uh, two thousand dollars. So you, you know, the churches are fully invested in in this and and uh, stepping up the plate and and subsidizing the rest of that. So I mean, you're talking about a lot of money long term. Yeah, we're going to be raising a half a million dollars in three or four years, I believe, to cover two hundred and fifty to three hundred, three hundred slots. But yet at the same time, we still believe that's a really wise investment of one way to look at it. I think Doug uses this phrase a lot. Any studies shows if you put money in early education, you're saving money in the long haul. And so our community has to get to the point where they understand that if we begin to invest now, we can save in jail costs over the long term. That's a long-term view, but we know that the stats are there that back up that information. And we know that the testimonies are there as well. You get kids that are ready to read at kindergarten. We're talking with Doug Morrison, who is a former Sioux Falls School Board member and co-founder of the Hope Coalition with Randall Beck, and Rich McCorris, who is pastor at King of Glory Church, and they're involved in trying to 
get preschool education to kids who can't afford it and who are kind of on the margins of the system. Um, the superintendent has talked about this problem, and it's one that we really haven't been able to address in the community in a broad way, and that is the segregation, that the sort of balkanization of the city. Um, how much are you dealing with very specific areas of town? Uh, well, we certainly, you know, are. Uh, what happens is you have the Head Start program, which are basically you have to be in, you know, at a certain uh, level of poverty to qualify for that and then and then the district uh, chooses to spend uh, some federal money on in the title buildings so title uh, schools are schools that are more impoverished so yeah title one schools that have uh, additional federal money for reading yep. and different so, things yep. so certainly the title uh, areas and are the ones that we're sort of targeting because uh, you know that's where the waiting list now exists however you know through our journey we know that there are uh, people in other areas of the city that are just maybe living on the other side of poverty uh, that this is a you know a, a huge uh, issue for as well so um, you know we're we're trying to get our arms around the whole ecosystem around pre-k uh, you know from you know to benefit the whole community and and uh, bring the bring this all together um, what uh, do you have income guidelines or essentially you take people, they come to you and, and if have you turned anybody away? If they qualify for Head Start and they're on the waiting list for the school, they qualify. In the future, what we're going to be doing over the next year is if you're at 180 percent of the federal poverty level or below, you will qualify for our program. And so we'll be going through a simple application process, checking income. And uh, we're also trying to meet that, fill that gap with those kids that maybe don't qualify for the Head Start waiting list, but yet their parents still don't have the means for a quality preschool program. So that's why we want to go up to that 180% of the poverty line. What is the number these days? Do you know what the poverty for a family of four? I can't even you remember just what the number is. Today, Doug. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, uh, if you think about a family of four, uh, I, I kind of, you know, I, I look at the free and reduced lunch number. And so uh, we know that, I, as I was telling you before, the free portion of that, 42% of our kindergartners are on free lunch programs. It's a and big that's, number. And, that's, uh, and the guideline for that uh, family of four is $35,000. So you do the hourly mm -hmm. wage on that, it's, uh, you know, it's... it's um, For yeah, a one-income family, it's got to be at least, you know, 17 an hour. Yeah. And there's not a gob of those jobs out there. No, I mean, and, that, and that's a family of four, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, uh, it's, it's tough sledding when you get down to all the other things that uh, somebody has to afford out of that, whether it's, you know, health care costs or, you know, uh, transportation costs, uh, you know, uh, child care, as many people will tell you, is expensive. Um, and hard to get. And hard to get, um, exactly. So um, that's what we're hoping to open up the doors uh, for uh, many children that haven't had that access. If you just think about a, a kindergarten teacher, right, and, and the kids that they get into the class that have had no sense of pre-k uh, they're not ready to learn and then so as a district we have to put reading intervention programs in for them and so it's expensive and those kids never in many cases get caught up if you're and, not at, at the the old um not old but the the measure is if you're not at reading level by the time you're in third grade your odds of not catching up and not being successful are become much harder, much exactly. greater. Exactly, and that's why Dr. Meyer is such an advocate of ours. If we can just get them to kindergarten, 
uh, ready to learn uh, and at the at the same level as their peer group that we know they'll have a much uh, higher success rate in life. Uh, and it's an economic development issue, as you said before. Doug, do you think that this community or really the state as a whole understands inherently that link between education and economic development? You know, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. I just know that we're one of no, I'm broadly not one anybody. Of, we're personally. one of few states that puts no money into into pre-K. So obviously, uh, I think there's still a notion that the that the child belongs at home with the parents, and it's just it. There's a disconnect there, um, and so I don't know. At some at some point, we'll be the last state standing where uh, we don't believe in that. But we think. Uh, you know, that I, I think as a community, Sioux Falls has always held itself up to a higher standard than, and we think that we have the resources and the, and the passion in this community to uh, to want to help these kids. And um, as I said, I, it, it breaks my heart when, uh, you know, the county's investing $40 million in a jail expansion, right? If I had that $40 million in an endowment, I could send every kid to preschool. And uh, and 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 probably in over time not need to not need that jail space, but it's it's a matter of getting somebody to believe that. The the interesting thing about as you said having to raise a half a million dollars a year in the future, that's hard to do. You brought up the idea of an endowment. Um, long term, do you hope that this will be something that self funds or that eventually uh, the powers that be in public government? The, the broader public in this state starts to understand we have to do something about this as a as a society you know we 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 leave no stone unturned so as i said there's a, you know there's a nice little uh uh tax credit program that they created for the insurance industry out there that can fund scholarships uh why can't we have something like that for pre-k programs but you know, I'm a dreamer, so I haven't given up on that. Uh, I haven't given up on the fact that there's somebody out there that might uh, create an endowment to send every kid in this town to uh, to pre-K. Um, until then, we will keep uh, pounding the pavement and uh, and and raise that half a million dollars through uh, events or whatever else we have to do uh, to be able to do that. Doug Morrison. Rich McCarris, McCorris, 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 McCorris. I, I kept sliding further and further away. <laughs> Pastor at Kingdom of Glory Church. Doug, of course, is co-founder of the Hope Coalition. Gentlemen, thank you very much for being here, and I appreciate your time and good luck. Thank, thank you, you for you. having us. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 457 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Hey, everybody, remember, Miracle on 41st Street Toy Drive. Now through December 24th, drop off a new toy, cash donation, or item of need at the Children's Inn gift wrapping booth in Macy's Wing of the Empire Mall. Have your gifts wrapped at the booth for a cash donation to the Children's Inn. For a list of items of need, click on our website, kso.com. And uh, special thanks to Great Plains Dental, Great Western Bank, and XL Energy for helping sponsor this year's event. As we get closer and closer to Christmas, people, let me tell you from experience, this service becomes more and more valuable. They do a fantastic job out there in the Macy's Wing of the Empire Mall. It's a great cause for the Children's Inn. You're going to want to get out there and do it. 
Coming up tomorrow, Jody Schwan of Sioux Falls Dot Business will be with us. Always good to have Jody on. We'll talk about the latest in business and development in our city. Scott Hudson will be in for Weird Friends. And we'll talk about private funding of public education with members of the Sioux Falls Education Foundation. Continue that conversation about how to educate our children and prepare them for competition in the world. That's all coming up tomorrow on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO.